Hello to everybody for whom the darkness comes quickly. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gathered here. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. And first of all, the episode you're about to hear is what I've thought about since we recorded it, and it is great, and you're going to love it. I'm also going to say, too, last week's episode, our caller talked about being married to a pastor, a pastor's son, having a kid, uh, leaving the intensity of it, and the, the feedback, as you can imagine, was really supportive. A lot of people wishing the caller best, and there's one person in the Facebook group made me laugh who said, I wish nothing be- but the best for the caller and nothing but the worst for that guy. And man, did that make me giggle. So thank you all for being kind, supportive people who had the callers back that none of that stuff last week was easy to open up about, I imagine. And, uh, and seeing that outpouring of love means a lot means a lot. Also means a lot to me that people come out to the live shows. Thanks to everybody who came out to Cleveland and Columbus. We did two tapings out that way. And I've got a whole bunch of shows coming up. The night after Christmas, we're doing New Jersey is the World Live at House of Independence in Asbury Park. So my Jersey people, if you're looking for a reason to get away from your family, that's the way to do it. We've also got shows coming up in Tallahassee, Tampa, Orlando, San Diego, San Pedro, Los Angeles, New Haven, Cambridge, Ann Arbor, Grand Rapids, Seattle, and Portland. Those are all between now and the first week of February. So go to chrisgeth.com if you want intro. A lot of those have live, beautiful, anonymous tapings. Some of them are just stand-up, but I'll stop plugging stuff. Because this week's episode, like I said, one of my favorite things. Anybody who's been listening to the show for a long time knows I really like talking to people who live lifestyles that are different than mine. And sometimes that might mean someone who lives two towns away who's living a different lifestyle than mine. Sometimes it means though you just live in a part of the world where your lifestyle has to be different. And straight up, our caller lives in Alaska and is living in Alaska in a way that's just diving deep into all the stuff that you think Alaska might be. Like it's wild and we get to talk about all of it and it's fascinating and it's fun and it's jaw dropping. And I feel lucky that I got to have this conversation and I hope you enjoy hearing it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Oh my goodness. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, hi, Chris. This is crazy. Um, I'm glad to be blowing your mind. Probably not for you. Glad to be blowing your mind right now. (laughs) How are you doing today? How am I loaded question sometimes, but how are you? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you how I'm doing. Lovely day in New Jersey. Gorgeous out. Okay. My wife says, I'm going to go ahead and take Cal to the zoo. So that's perfect because uh-huh. I got therapy and then I'm going to do a taping of Beautiful Anonymous. Great time for the kid to be out of the house and I'm sure he's going to love it. Halfway through therapy, I get a phone call from my wife. I said, well, something must be wrong. Turns out my son vomited all over himself in the car on the way down to the zoo. So instead of a leisurely therapy session, we had to cut it a little short. They drove home and... Pretty much until the moment Aww. I've been speaking to you, I've been cleaning vomit. And I did just look down and realize there's baby vomit on my shirt as you and I talk. So that's how I'm doing. Um, that's a, that, that seems like a, a pretty normal thing for a dad. Um, I'm sorry that that's going on today. Do you need to take a minute and address the baby puke? No, no. I'm, I'm very happy with where I'm at. It's a small amount of Comfortable vomit. Comfortable with it? But it doesn't bother. I mean, look. <laughs> For the past, since April of, since April 17th of 2019, I've just generally assumed that I have vomit, feces, or urine on me at all times. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. Nothing new. Um, I'm a mom, so I, I do understand. <laughs> you get it. You get it. How many yep. kids do you have? So, two. Um, well, I have one biological daughter, and I live with my boyfriend, and he has two little girls as well. 
So we've got a total of three little girls in a pretty small house. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and it can be very loud at times. I bet. I bet. <laughs> nowhere to go. And what's, what's the age range on these girls? Um, eight, six, and five. And the five-year-old will be six on Halloween. Oh, wow. So they're like a cluster. They're all together. Yes. They're very, very close in age. So third grade, first grade, and kindergarten. Oh, I was going to ask. It sounded like there was a chance that maybe two of them were in the same grade, which would be cute. It it, it was a chance. Um, fortunately, so my daughter is the youngest, and fortunately, I did not need to send her to kindergarten last year. There was you know, with uh, with the state of the world, it was it was very challenging for a lot of my friends trying to figure out what to do about schooling and everything. And so, I was uh, pretty relieved to have one more year with her at home. Although I'm not sure this is any better, but you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it was. At least I got to walk her into her classroom this year, so that was nice. That it, what a beautiful moment, and that that was. I got to say, like one of the. One of the things is my son obviously is not school age yet. And when it was like, oh, kids might be going back to school, I thought parents were going to be marching in streets and protesting. Instead, I quickly realized parents were like, yes, get them out of my house, please. Get them out of the house. Yeah, that I- was one of those things that <laughs> I was very surprised and clearly no one knew how to handle. It's so challenging. And like I, I frequently have the thought of maybe – I I wish I could just homeschool all three of them just for consistency. However, I'm divorced and my boyfriend is divorced. And so there's a lot of outside factors in play in that. And, you know, it's challenging. Like our numbers are rising here and our bus service for for my daughter's school is is cut in half because there's just not enough bus drivers. Um, So, so you know, it makes it complicated, but at this point, just kind of got to take it in stride and do what we can and try to try to make it as normal in this, in these times for the kids as possible, I suppose. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> not sure there's a good answer. I hear you. But two things, two things real quick, since you um, mentioned your beautiful wife and your beautiful son, I just would like to tell you that he is so absolutely gorgeous. And um, she, I obviously do not know her, but she is as well. And it's um, amazing that you found somebody that is like that. However, I do hope that she shuts the the cupboard doors. I saw a post on Instagram a long time ago, and that would make my anxiety go very, very high. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I talked about I, I brought that up as an example of something that drives my anxiety nuts in my old HBO special. And I can't lie, it hasn't gotten much better. Oh, but I just, I bite my tongue. That's I take funny. a deep breath. I walk around, I close the doors and I realize, I remind myself this, this is uh, just, it is what it is. And nothing's going to go wrong in the world just because a cabinet door has been left open. It's fine. Just it's shut true. It. It's on. true. Yep. <laughs> ah, but thank it's better you for than the, the kind... fridge door, I suppose. Oh, yeah. And th- <laughs> thanks for the kind words on my kid. He's awful cute. And I'm glad uh, I'm, oh. gl- I'm glad people are out there noticing this case. This kid, he knows it, though. It's a problem. He knows it. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, though. That's okay. We're, we're supposed to love our kids and think they're the most adorable, especially when they are just as beautiful as he is. So Thank you. That's <laughs> awful nice. That's awful nice. And then, you know, I, I know this is pretty standard for people, but you know, I, I just really appreciate the show and I really appreciate the work that you do. It's, um, it's something that's been there for me through some tough times and, you know, made that connection with other people, even though I don't know you or I don't know them. It, um, it, it brings people into, into your car, into your home when, when you might be feeling alone. And that's a, that's a pretty amazing thing. Well, I'm glad... Oh, glad to hear it. And it's, uh, I think people still don't believe me when I'm like, oh, it, it gives me, it's one of the best parts of stumbling into this show is like, I get that first and I get that hardest. And I, as someone who has been prone to feelings of loneliness my whole life, 
I'm like, oh, I get, I get, my job is to feel less alone and help other people feel less alone. All right, sign me up. Good gig. Good gig. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. I'm glad. No. There was one episode where you wished um, the caller happy birthday multiple times because she had told you that it was her birthday. And it turned out at the end that it was not actually her birthday right before it hung up. Yes, um, yes. But I listened to that episode on my birthday, and it was the year that I left my husband, and I left my ex-husband four days before my birthday. And so even though you were not wishing her a happy birthday, like, there's connections somewhere. And it was like, it just felt very very on point for me to be listening to it that day. Yeah, look at that look at that all these years later we find out she she said it was her birthday just to lie about something in a way that was playful but I'm sure even she would say strange. I wished her happy birthday so there's all these unclaimed happy birthdays floating out there and it turns out they were for you the whole time. Who knew? <laughs> well, it was it was sure great. So, yeah. Good. Um Wow, I did not think I would feel nervous, but I do. Um, oh, no need. No need. Yeah. I'm literally uh, a vomit-covered idiot in New Jersey. That's who you're talking to. I have actual <laughs> vomit on me. Like, that should remove all your nerves. <laughs> well, that's perfect. And I, um, I, I love New Jersey. I've, uh, you know, I've not spent a ton of time there, but... Um, my mom is from New York and her grandmother lived in New Jersey. And so growing up, when we would go back to New York, we'd get to go down to Jersey and uh, see the family. And it's, uh, it was always so much fun and so many good memories from there. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad it was a positive. And I've always enjoyed the Midwest, which is where I'm guessing you're from based on certain word pronunciations. Well, um, I went to college in the Midwest, but no, I'm actually from Alaska. Alaska. Oh, see, well, that's a tough. That's a tough one. Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one. So, so I spent time in the Midwest, but nope, nope. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a tough one. And yeah, and uh, no, we do not all have the. I hope I don't think we all have the same access as a prominent ca- candidate for vice president uh, once has. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, of course, there's a a million different things that we could talk about, but I thought it might be interesting to talk about. um, I've been, sorry, that's my dog. Um, I've been pursuing my private pilot's license and uh, some of the interesting things that I've done with that and um, working with uh, my boyfriend on making an airstrip kind of uh, literally in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. So, You're making an airstrip? I don't know. Um, yeah. So um, this is going to be loud for one minute, but my dogs need to be fed. I'm sorry. No, no apologies. And Everybody loves dogs. Don't worry. Right. I have a cat as well. So Thanks. Even Good. if you didn't like the dogs, there's another yeah. one of those. Everybody flips out. Everybody's <laughs> going to love the dogs. And then it's going to just open the door to a bunch of internet comments from people like, Chris, you could have that love in your life feeding a dog. And I can go, I, get, I, I understand it's a possibility that could happen. I get it. So it's all good. They're they're pretty great, but uh, they are a lot of work. And uh, yep, it is. It's a big commitment. It's my uh, my oldest dog. She's thirteen. So I mean, I've had her for a pretty substantial chunk of my life. And that's beautiful. Um, I think about it. I'm not anti-dog. I'm dog neutral, everybody. (laughs) That makes people. That almost makes people angry. It's angrier. still a big commitment. <laughs> yes, so it's not that I'm anti-dog. Angry. It's that I'm a- anti uh, arranging my life around another animal's feeding and pooping schedule. I've already got one of those, and he's just learning I how know. to pee in yep. a potty. So let's get through that first. <laughs> that seems reasonable. That seems reasonable. And when they get older, they can pick up the poop. I've recently learned that the three of them now like that's become their punishment but they're also like they're like oh well maybe i could go pick out up some poop and i could get this privilege i'm like okay that works for me (laughs) yes my wife has said that she's she's pretty clear about this he's an only child he's going to need a dog and i do understand that 
but I, th- I think she and I are on the same page of if we wait until he's asking for it, then he has to take on more of the responsibility theoretically. So who knows? Anyway. Theoretically, yes. Now, you're getting your pilot's license. You're building your own airship. Now, I do know that I've read enough about Alaska to know that there's sections of Alaska that are truly inaccessible by road, but people live there. So there's Correct. there's areas of Alaska where to get to them and to get goods back and forth, it's boats and small planes. It, does this tie into this industry? Um, yeah. So I, what I am doing is just purely for um, my my own pleasure. Um, my boyfriend has a pretty interesting job where he actually um, uses snow cats, like the thing that's on a, like a ski slope that they use for grooming. Um, he has a number of those and he hauls goods remotely in the wintertime over frozen rivers and stuff out to very, very remote locations. Um, so, so that's like a whole different thing, but that's kind of why, why, um, I've had this opportunity to build this airstrip is because (laughs) he does do so many things remote that like he has equipment legitimately in the middle of nowhere. There are no roads. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's been a very interesting process. Wait, he has equipment. So, in the, so he has equipment that he leaves in strategic locations out in the wilderness. Uh, so he did last summer on a parcel of property that is literally surrounded by state land and there is, um, nothing else around it, uh, for miles. The closest neighbor I think is five miles away. Um, and so he was able to leave a, um, like a small dozer and a snow cat out there as well as, um, like a man camp. So just like a building that was built on a sled so that it's a a dry place to sleep and then some equipment. (laughs) How do we claim that America is one country? How can we with a straight face claim (laughs) that I live in the same country you do? What are you talking about? It's, it's a, I, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty interesting thing. And um, I've always loved to be in the woods and very much like in the woods, in the woods. And so it's a, uh, it's been a lot of fun for me. Um, it was a little bit more than I was expecting. Um, he, he didn't really fully give me an idea as to just how remote it was going to be. Um, so we, uh, we fly, what we did last summer is we fly into, um, a mine area. And so there is a, there's a decent sized grass strip there and he has his license, his pilot's license. And then he has a gold mining claim there. And so at that gold mining claim, he has a bunch of equipment there, including like four wheelers and that sort of thing. Um, so from there, it is six miles over, over mountains to get to his property. Um, and it might be more like eight, it's six air miles. So it's probably more like eight miles that we have had to travel. And, uh, and so I was under the impression that there was like a trail the whole way. And uh, that's not really the case. We started out and he had an Argo, um, one of those tracked Argos um, that he was carrying goods in. And he had me get on a four-wheeler and he said, you know how to drive one of these? And I was like, well, I mean, I was like 16 the last time I rode one. And he's like, okay, well, you'll be fine. There's no brakes, so don't throw it into neutral. Um, (laughs) And we are literally going up and over a mountain. So that was slightly terrifying. <laughs> and this is your, this yeah, is, so that's how we, this is you accompanying him on one of his runs when he's selling goods to remote villages, or this is just, no, this just is something. going out to the property to build the airstrip. This and is, and it, it's like, we're building a cabin in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> so yeah, wait, what you say? in 2021, you can still have a gold mining claim. This is a thing you can have. And let's pause there, because I think I'm asking a question a lot of us were thinking. You can still do that? There's still 
You can still just be an old-timey gold prospector? Apparently you can. There's a lot more things you can do in Alaska that the rest of us don't know about. Find out about all of them when we get back. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. That's this just is something... going out to the property to build the airstrip. This and is... it's like we're building a cabin in the middle of nowhere. Um... <laughs> See, wait. In 2021, you can still have a gold mining claim? This is a thing you can have? So, the, and I, yeah, I understand. It's very strange. That that I was not exposed to any of this until he and I started dating, really. I knew that it existed, um, but it was not something really on my radar. Um, I know a little bit about um, gold mining now, but I'm not super knowledgeable on it. (laughs) But yeah, you can have a gold mining claim, and he has several. So just a private citizen, you can go out there and be a prospector and you can say, I'm pretty sure there's gold here and I'd like to claim this remote location as my spot. And you fill out the permits and the paperwork and then it's yours. Yes. Yeah. And so it's on state land. And so you have to go out. My understanding is like you have to go out and you have to physically be on the land and you have to stake it. And then you have to file that with the Department of Natural Resources. Um, and you pay like uh, a small fee per year to hold the permit for that. Um, but yeah, and then you can, you can have equipment on the land, um, in order to mine and there's reclamation that you have to do after you mine as well. Um, and, uh, you can't build any permanent structures on those lands. Uh-huh. So he has like a school bus that he hauled out in the middle of winter onto his gold mining claim. And um, so it's like, you know, it's got bunk beds in it and a cook area and like a a wood stove. It's very, very rustic, but you sit on the couch that's in there and amazing view of Denali um, that you can possibly imagine with nobody else around. And Denali, formerly Mount McKinley, if I remember right? Mount McKinley. Mount McKinley, right. yep. It, it's yep. now Denali. Yeah. And, and all that. Yeah, and now either this, one is fine. But, this yeah. school bus, uh, this is something people do, because famously the, the kid from Into the Wild passed away in a school right. bus that he camped out in. So the, uh, people will oftentimes put a vehicle out there as a sort of like semi-permanent structure. Right, and... So that Into the Wild bus, I don't know if you saw last year or not, but they actually helicoptered that out from the location that it was at because we had so many um, tourists that were hiking out to it. And it's not always an easy hike. And uh, people were getting into some real trouble. And so they actually removed it and brought it up to Fairbanks. Well, I have to imagine for someone in your situation where you love, like you've said, you love the woods woods. It sounds like your boyfriend is, I'm not, I'm not. This is just based on information you told me. I'm not making fun of him. He's like an actual gold prospect in Alaskan. Uh-huh. Like, like an actual yeah. archetype. <laughs> like, it's, a, um, it's borderline a caricature of an Alaskan. Dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just yeah. got to be clear because I've read a lot. Yeah. I, I read a lot. I read a lot. Um, and when you read about the Christopher McCandless, Alexander Supertramp, into the wild, the, the mm-hmm. main character. Yep, it's very important for anybody out there who watched that movie to know. You should read the actual book because I've read the book. The movie, obviously, there is romance in taking off and going out into the middle of nowhere, and people show up in Alaska and they mm-hmm. do this. And like you said, now there's tourism surrounding this idea and surrounding him. When you read the actual book, John Krakauer wrote, and I say this meaning no offense uh, to the dead. One of the central themes of the book that's underlined very, very clearly is this kid did not do this in a smart way. Um, That's made very clear. I think the movie, You Only Have Two Hours, focuses on the romantic side of it. There's a lot of analysis of mistakes that were made and things that could have been done very differently um, and things that people who understand the outdoors 
would have fundamentally known not to do. Um, so I'm not trying to disparage anybody's memory, but I would have to say being in a position that you're in and that your husband's in, this idea of this sort of like romanticized Alaskan into the wild tourism, it must be concerning on a basic level and deeply annoying on another level. I would have to imagine because people are putting their putting their lives in danger over this romantic idea, but read right. the book into the wild. You read the book. The second half of that book is basically just going, now let's break down a lot of foolishness that happened that led to this. Yeah. And it's, um, it, like, it's definitely very dangerous. It can get very dangerous very quickly. There's a lot of people that live up here and have lived up here for a long time that, um, that won't and shouldn't really go out into the middle of nowhere. Um, and it's, uh, you, you have to be prepared. And my dad, um, my dad was from New Hampshire and he, uh, he came up to Alaska, um, before the pipeline. And so he was up here for years and years and years. And he was, he had that romantic idea in his mind. Um, but he was prepared. And so he, um, I think that I, like I'm attracted to this sort of lifestyle probably because of the, um, the values that he instilled in me. And, uh, it, it can be done. Um, but just like you're saying, like to think, oh yes, I'm going to go hike up to a bus and it's going to be fine is not, not realistic and very dangerous and very expensive as well, because those rescue operations, um, are very expensive and it can also put those rescuers at risk too. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I don't know. It's, so it's, a, it's definitely tricky. And it's, so it sounds like your, your dad instilled these values in you. Your dad had them and you're now dating um, and raising your children with a guy who's really grown up this way. That's really, uh, yeah. Alaska does its own thing. Yeah. Alaska does its own thing. It, yes. And, and it's always very proud to do its own thing. Um, sometimes to a fault. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's substantially different. Um, when I say I'm going out into the middle of nowhere or I like to be in the wilderness, there's no one else around. Um, and uh, I had started dating my boyfriend. Uh, we've been together for about two years. And when we started dating, um, my, my dad was very sick and he ended up passing away shortly after that. And um, my boyfriend didn't really know me that well. And all I wanted to do was get out of town and I wanted him to drop me off. It was November in Alaska. So very dark, very cold, lots of snow um, out at uh, where this mine location exists. And uh, I had asked him to take me out there and just drop me off, like just drop me off for a week. And uh, he didn't know me well enough yet. And he, uh, to his credit, I suppose, did not feel that he could um, responsibly leave me in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> but after he spent uh, some time out there with me, he saw that, yes, I, I do have the skills to be able to survive on my own um, in the middle of nowhere. And that is actually something that I very much enjoy. So uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was nice to get away at that time. And it's nice to be able to still do that today and just get out and, be completely alone. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm jealous. I don't, Yeah. I, I fear that level of aloneness and isolation. It's a little daunting, I think, because in some sense you go, you might really discover yourself in a way that is truly healthy, or you might have to actually slow down and deal with your demons in a way that I personally would fear. I think that it... <sighs> You know, I haven't been out by myself for a very long period of time. I have work and kids and all of those things. So it's not like um, I get to be out there as much as I would like. But um, the first time that he dropped me off and then flew away and I watched that plane take off and realized that there, um, there, there is no way out. Like there, there is, there's no other option now. You're here. Um, it, it, it puts a feeling in your stomach for a minute. Um, and then you just go about your day. Like there's things to do. You need, you need to get your firewood. You need to 
take care of the chores that you're not going to be able to take care of um, otherwise. Uh, like you want to be warm that night, it's time to time to get the chainsaw going. So you've got a yard in the lawn now and you're you're all into that stuff. So you'd probably be fine, right? Let's not pretend. Let's not. You're joking. I know you're joking, <laughs> but let's not. I often tell people, people are like, oh, you moved out of the city out to Jersey. And there's like a few towns that most of the artists wind up in, in North Jersey, Maplewood and Montclair, two of the big, those are the big artist hubs, like transition points for, for the artists and people go, oh, you Maplewood or Montclair? I go, no, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I'm out in the woods. And it really feels like that to me and my friends. And yet I'm looking out a window right now and I can, I can see my neighbor's house. It's right across the street. Sure. This is the woods by the standards of someone who spent 16 years in New York City. I'm in the woods. People don't Uh blink when I say that. And I can see it. I can see my neighbor's. I'm looking (laughs) at my neighbor's garage door from where I'm sitting right now. (laughs) But I mean, I grew up in a place. I mean, I I grew up in Alaska and I grew up. We had to live closer to the city so that um, my parents could work and everything. So I I grew up looking at my neighbors as well. Um, But we you know, we got to make our weekend trips out and our, our summers out in the woods. Um, but no, it's, everybody has their own perspective and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, I've, as someone who spent a lot of time in New York and in New York city, that is the woods compared to that. <laughs> Man. So, yeah. <laughs> so how's, so how's this airstrip coming along? What, what goes into building your own airstrip? So step one, you have to get there. Um, and uh, easier said than done. I would. Our whole process was we would fly out to this mine, and then we would travel. We started traveling up this path, and so there's a um, there's a path that he had established years ago uh, for a four wheeler. But <clears throat> that path is not big enough for an Argo because you know it's a it, it's a soft covered Argo, and so it's a little bit bigger. So. It required us to cut that trail out more through the brush. And uh, so from there, you get above the tree line and then it's not a problem. But you then start, you know, you go over the mountain and then you get into the tundra and there's these giant tussocks, they're called. And it's, um, if you're familiar with skiing, like a mogul is in skiing, like a giant hump. It's kind of like that, but with earth. Uh, and so at some point you have to abandon the four wheeler because it's just too much to get through. And fortunately the Argo is really good and it handles all that stuff really well. Um, but then you just keep going overland and all like on that and, uh, try to get to where you're going. Well, um, you have to go back down through this giant Valley and then back up the mountain, the, his property and where we're building, where we've built the airstrip is on the top of a mountain, atop of another mountain. And uh, he had zero trail um, built through this valley. And it's very, very thick forest. We had to scout where we thought the best spot would be and then just start cutting. And we would take the Argo as far as we could and then go on foot the rest of the way. And so he would then go and run equipment on the property, which was just raw land to begin with. Um, And I would hike back and forth. I would hike from the property back to the Argo where all our supplies were. And then just, he he lovingly called me his pack mule. Um, I would carry everything under the sun, including a microwave um, over (laughs) over to the property from, you know, the middle of nowhere. Uh, and work on cutting the trail so that we could eventually, by the end of last summer, get uh, the Argo all the way to the property versus having to just hike back and forth. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that was kind of our process. Um, uh-huh. And it's also bear country. Go Good, good, good. Um, good. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, I... Um, not trying to be political in any way, shape, or form. I, but I, I do think that there are places for guns. I think there are places not for guns as well. But in this instance, like this is this is a situation where I always have a holster on and I always have my gun ready, um, just in case. Because, um, you know, it's uh, 
there's not there's not an option if you get mauled by a bear in the middle of Alaska. It is it is very severe consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I've had friends that have been mauled, so it's um, it 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 is part of life, unfortunately. Um, and we're in their we're in their territory, so you know we make a lot of noise and we try to steer clear. <clears throat> and I've been fortunate enough; we did not have any issues last year. But I had one of my dogs with me who was a puppy at the time. And, you know, she runs away and runs back. And one of the things you have to be careful of is when they run back, they don't have something chasing them. So, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Brings a friend back. Um, Yes. So, fortunately, I never encountered that. But that's also, you have to be, you know, kind of on alert at all times that, that there's wildlife around and they belong, you don't. So. Um, make sure that make sure that you have your senses up as well. Yeah, yeah. That's the most but, intense yeah. answer to the question, how's the airstrip going, that I could have imagined. Oh. <laughs> well, I okay, so I guess to loop back around and actually answer your question, which I did not do. <laughs> no, you certainly did. You certainly did. So, so the airstrip is good now, so you can land a plane on it. Um, however, um, my boyfriend is a he has a lot of irons in the fire and he likes to do a lot of things yeah and um he 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 doesn't necessarily prioritize everything the way i think you should but that's that's him he gets to do what he'd like to do um and so he's working on building um a cabin which is a whole nother story out there um and so we made the airstrip landable last year, but it had a giant sag in it. And um, the problem with that is that when you come down to land, if you bounce it all, which you do on this strip, um, normally if it's flat, then you just kind of come back down. But when there's a big sag in it, it means that you get more air and it can create um, this porpoising effect of the plane and which can be not good. Um, let's just put it that way. Uh, so he didn't, he had done some work on the strip this year, but he was mostly focused on trying to get, um, some of the, the cabin done so that, um, at least part of it would be good to go for this winter. And also with the way that, um, lumber prices were, I think, after spending a bunch of money on lumber, he wanted to make use of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So he actually had a little whoopsies with a friend in the plane and sent me a message when he got out to the property and said that he was down safely, but would not be flying the plane home. Um, so <laughs> since then, uh, the plane is now back on its wheels and uh, has been repaired. He was able to repair it out there after a helicopter ride out. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But, <laughs> but then he, uh, he chose to prioritize working on the runway from there. So, um, so now it's much better, and I've landed out there since then um, with him. And uh, it's, it, it's much more doable these days. Uh, so I'm certainly happy for that and happy that he was uh, able to 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 make that work. <laughs> mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. does, does that it. answer the question? I love. I mean, I love that. I go, <laughs> I, I, I go. You know, I make the joke. I'm like, that's the most intense answer to how's the airship going. You have to tell me about fending off bear attacks. You go, oh well, here's the real thing: uh, near disaster with a plane, yeah. and we had to repair the plane on the. Re- really, if I tell you what, yeah. the issues in New Jersey are just. Very different than the issues in Alaska. <laughs> just, we may need at some point to recognize that this country we may need to just, but, and I'm, it's like I'm joking, but I'm not, because I also sit here and I go, I on the show have, have talked about how much, like, I hate gun violence and see shootings, and then yep. you go, I don't, but, but I'm also smart enough to go, well, that's because that's my reality, and your reality is right. so wildly different than my reality. That, yeah, if you put me in a yeah. situation like you're describing, I'd go, oh, yeah, someone needs to teach me how the gun, to someone show me where the safety on the gun is. 
our realities right. are just extremely right. different. And I have to imagine, so this airstrip, once it gets past some of these issues that might lead to damaging planes, it's going to make it much easier to travel out to these areas that you guys like to travel out to and to access the yeah. gold mine claims and all these things. It's going to really <laughs> remove a lot of Argo, which Jared told me he Googled an Argo and that it probably could be described as something that to most of us who aren't living your life would look like an amphibious vehicle. So yes, this airstrip's yes. going to remove Sorry, a lot um, of that from your lives. <laughs> Yes, it, it, it is. And, um, and we can land on it now and, and we have, and so that does make it substantially easier. It's about a 45 minute flight from, um, in a small plane from where I live to get out to that airstrip. And, uh, it means that we can go out there, um, you know, for a weekend or for, um, you know, fly out for an evening and back versus, the whole um, journey that we would do every single time we had to get out there, which, you know, you had to have at least four days and then a lot of times you'd get weathered in. Um, so yeah, so it definitely simplifies things. Um, uh, but it still, it still has a lot of challenges as it's a shorter strip and it's up so high when it's hot out. Um, we shuttle back and forth to um, to a different airstrip, the airstrip that we were using last summer, because it's a little bit lower down, a little bit cooler and longer. So, um, so like the last time we were out, we were able to bring, um, our two dogs with us. And my boyfriend had to bring me over to the other airstrip and drop me off with one of the dogs and then go back and get the gear and the other dog. Um, just so to be safe, to make sure that we, um, were off the ground when we needed to be. And now that you have your own airstrip, maybe you bring the kids out. Maybe the kids can finally see the place. Yes, absolutely. And so his two daughters have gotten to go out there. Um, and we've talked about trying to do a weekend out there. But um, again, we've got a lot on our plates. And so you know, we haven't made it happen to get all three out and get to spend the whole weekend out there. Um, a little bit of logistic planning on my part, making sure that we've got enough food and everything and keep them occupied and warm enough clothes and all of those good things. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can do it. And now that I've seen the runway that I know that it's in better condition, I'm uh, more willing to sign off on the kids getting into the plane. Um, but we, you know, we only have a, well, we actually have two planes, but I don't have my license yet. So I can't fly the, I can't fly anyone else out there. And I don't think that I, I'm not at the skill level to be able to land on that strip yet. So I don't. Um, so we'll have to shuttle the kids back and forth. Um, with five of us, we, you know, have to, have to take, have to take a couple trips, but it's doable. It. It's doable now. And yeah, a, a brief image search of the Argo. It legitimately <laughs> looks like something that in my mind, I go, that looks like, something from the old G.I. Joe cartoons from the 80s. That looks like something I would have owned yeah. in the 80s that I, like Serpentor and Destro would have driven around in. I don't know who those people are, but yes. <laughs> Serpentor it's a, of, it's is a, of... Destro was the guy with the metal head. Serpentor is, of course, the guy who was um, the leader of Cobra in the later era of G.I. Joe, who was made from the DNA of Rasputin, Genghis Khan, one other world, maybe Napoleon, and of course, uh, WWF superstar Sergeant Slaughter. And he was also part snake. Oh yeah, now I remember that one, yeah, right? Yeah, he was yeah. Part snake too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are my prayers. No, I'm, I'm, you survive in the okay. wilderness that's and awesome. fight off grizzly bears. <laughs> I retain a decent amount of knowledge about violence-based cartoons from the 1980s. Different people. pause there. Remember G.I. Joe? They dominated my childhood. So many toys. So many commercials for those toys. Eh, we got commercials too on this show. Check them out. We'll be right back. Thanks to all the advertisers who help us bring this show to the world. Now let's finish off the phone call. You survive in the wilderness and fight off grizzly bears. <laughs> I retain a decent amount of knowledge about violence-based cartoons from the 1980s. Different people. Well, it is, 
but it's also like, you know, it's whatever your escape can kind of be. I think for me, being out in the wilderness is just so nice because you don't have, um, you can turn it off. You can, you don't have cell reception. So you can kind of ignore the problems of the world for a minute. And, um, and you've, you've got simple tasks at hand. I think that we all have so many complex problems these days that when we can just have something simple, um, it sure makes it a lot nicer. Now, you've mentioned that there's a lot of people who romanticize Alaska who have gotten themselves into trouble. They went and removed the Into the Wild bus. Um, yeah. It's expensive for the state. It's scary to see people put themselves in these situations. That's people romanticizing leaving this life to go live your actual life. Strange thing to think about. Have you ever had any phases where you got disillusioned and said, I'm just going to go move to wherever. I want to go live in Cleveland for a while. I want to go live. Have you ever had stretches where you've thought about romanticizing the other side of things? I think absolutely. Um, I, I think I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to travel somewhat. Um, and I went to college in Michigan. Um, and so, you know, so I had that exposure and both of my parents were not from Alaska originally, but yeah, I, I thought about, I'm not a city person. I have considered, you know, I think that if I was ever to live in a city, it would be for a short period of time and I could see how it'd be fun to get to explore and, um, you know, even just to have the option of public transit and all of those wonderful things. I think that that would be a great time. Um, like my grandfather, uh, he lives on Long Island. And as a kid, he would always take me to the city. And um, like the second or third time he took me there. And, you know, like just like taking his granddaughter on this wonderful adventure um, to go see a show on Broadway and to go out to dinner. And it would cause me so much anxiety to be around that many people and to be in that setting that every single time he took me, he would always swear up and down that he would never do it again. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I think that like, as much as I think about those things and how nice it would be to be somewhere else, I, I know that for me, I feel more comfortable when um, I can look out my window and only see trees. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when you put it like that, I wonder. Um, do you already do you already think about your girls and wonder which way they're going to go? Because my guess, and and I, this might be, you tell me. I mean, you would know. My guess is that with families who live where you live, it seems like people either double down, and it's part of who they are, right. or, or you got to get out of there. It's it's a lifestyle that seems like yeah you go one way or the other. So I have to imagine there are a lot of families where there's kids who go, I'm going to New York or California or Paris or wherever. Um, do you think, do you have to think about this already being a parent living in a, in something that to a lot of us feels like sort of the extreme, the extreme way you can live in, in the U S you know, I think I probably only think about it as much as any other parent does. Um, I grew up with parents that, um, you know, we're able to allow us to at least travel to the East Coast. And then we also had um, the ability to travel um, to Europe twice as, as children um, and be exposed to a lot of different things. Um, and I also had parents that were very, I don't know how they did it exactly. Like they always had this, ex- was, I always knew that there was an expectation of school outside of high school and whether that be college or trade school or whatever it might be. Um, and it was always instilled in us that, you know, we go out and we, we find something of our own and we learn to do something on our own. Um, and so I always knew I was going to leave the state for college, but I always knew I was going to come back. Um, so so I, I, I guess I do think about it for the girls a lot. And I try to, it's so hard because at this age, you know, they, they want to be, you know, just like their parents still. And like, they think it's so cool that we, you know, fly airplanes or um, my boyfriend is learning how to fly a helicopter. And so like one of the little girls wants to be a helicopter pilot. I don't know how you find the right balance between encouraging kids because you think they're passionate about it versus 
um, trying to make little clones of yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I think wherever they end up, they'll be wonderful. And um, I just want them to, you know, choose their own path in life and try to help them find that. That's a cool way to think of it. Yeah. It almost well, sounds to me you. like you had something like, and again, there's all sorts of cultural stuff that goes into this. And this is just the broad strokes. And I'm sure anybody's familiar with this lifestyle would say it's very different and I don't know what I'm talking about. And they're right. Cause I don't, but almost sounds like your college experience was sort of like a, what you hear the Amish concept of Rumspriga is. <laughs> Have you heard this? Have you thought about this before? Oh yes. Is that something I, for uh, a lot of Alaskan um, kids? Do Alaskan kids get their Rumspriga? Um, I don't know that all of them do. Uh, and I, I don't know that I would describe mine that way because I was, um, I, I don't, I think I was an odd child um, and I was just very, very, very highly focused on, on getting through school and doing it and, you know, being that high achieving kid and I, making my parents proud perhaps. So I didn't go off to college and have those party days or whatever. I went off to college and loaded my schedule up and lived in the library um, <laughs> like a true nerd that I am. Um, so yes and no for my, I would say in my family, it was very much expected that you go out and get other experience, but that's, I think that th that's because those were my parents' values. I had a lot of friends that did not leave the state for school, um, or, you know, chose not to go, um, chose not to go to college and, uh, yeah, you know, for my for my little brother, my little brother is actually an electrical lineman, and so he had to work hard to pursue his dreams. And there's schooling associated with that, with the trades, and he has had the opportunity because of what a hard worker he is and the um, what he's done to travel all over and work. And so he was actually able um, to, like, after Sandy, to go back to New York and live with my grandfather for several months. And work on power lines there. So, but he didn't leave Alaska initially. So it's just kind of, I don't know. I very much am grateful to my parents for, um, I don't know how they raised us that way, but I, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. It's really cool. Hearing what you're describing, I'm just like, it's hard to think of that as anything except an extremely romantic life. I see why people, I see why people <laughs> idealize it. You know, they don't understand how hard it is. Yeah, that's definitely, I would say that's definitely the romantic part of life. I, you know, we could talk for hours and go into all of the other nuances and the challenges that um, I would imagine are faced by people everywhere that I experience as well. And, uh, you know, it's uh, sometimes I even shake my head at the life that I'm currently living. <laughs> and uh, it, it does sound, it, it sounds it's very surreal that I, that I have these opportunities and I just love it. Now, I bet there's people out there who, for whatever, whether they've been thinking about quitting their job for a while or they're having a midlife crisis, like I've been having for the past year or whatever, I sitting here going, mm -hmm. boy, you're just, you're describing something that sounds awesome. And I want my little taste of it from the perspective of somebody who's up here, who lives it, who knows how real it is, who's literally like, yeah, when my dog goes off, when we're visiting property that my boyfriend owns, if my dog runs off and comes back, we have to live in fear that something's chasing it back. Like that's the real side of it. We've talked about how people get themselves <laughs> into trouble. Is there any thoughts you have for the rest of us? If there's anybody out there listening to this going, I want to know just a little bit of this life. Is, th is there a way to do it properly? Is there a way to get that taste? Makes them feel like they're still seeing the real Alaska, sure, but that they're not going to die mm -hmm. in in the middle of nowhere because they did something dumb. You know, I think that there's plenty of towns up here that you can visit that it, it is the real Alaska. And there's a lot of different parts of Alaska that are the real Alaska. And, you know, there's a, Alaska is so big. There is so much of it that I haven't seen. And, um, you know, I haven't been out to the villages. And um, so the real Alaska can mean so many different things. I would encourage anyone, um, like the tours are great and those are great for our state. And I think that you probably get a lot out of those or, you know, just plan your own visit and rent a car and go and stay in like the little Airbnbs and you can be pretty well in the woods and still have a comfy place to go back to. Um, 
where you're not going to put yourself at risk. The romantic part of it is wonderful. The reality part is it still requires money. So the whole, oh, we have to have a job and all of that. But I do know, I think that one of the silver linings of this pandemic has been that we've seen how much we can do remotely. And we realize that, yes, we need a job, but perhaps we can do that from anywhere. And um, I, I know some people that have moved up here um, because because of that. So they are still doing their job from the East Coast, um, but up here. And then I also have some close friends that wanted to move back to where they're from and have been able to do that and still maintain their jobs that they have up here. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers it or not. <laughs> it does. Take a tour. The tours aren't that bad. Right, there's people out there going, but tour's not the same thing as just saying screw it all and wandering into the woods. And that just sounds like the reaction to people who are living your lifestyle are going, no, 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 no. You don't just wander into the woods. Like that's, just don't do that. Right. Just don't wander into the woods. Right. And there are some areas where tourists definitely wander and get themselves into trouble uh, pretty quickly up here that is, you know, not far outside of Anchorage, you know, it's so gorgeous and it's so gorgeous to drive south and see all the mountains. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's on the coast and it's tidal. And so you go and you, you see these tourists that want to walk out on the mud flats that we have here and it's like quicksand and then the tide comes in and it hasn't been as much of an issue, um, recently, but as a kid growing up, I just remember hearing, so much about the different people that would go out and do that. And um, they had to come up with rescue operations in order to like free people from this quicksand mud. Um, and that's like, you can be in the city and then go do that in about five minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> there, there's inherent risks in anything, I suppose, but you know, winters up here are gorgeous as well. It's very dark but it's beautiful. But again, like if you don't know what you're doing, it's easy to go out into the middle of nowhere and get yourself into trouble real fast, whether that be going over water that you shouldn't be going over or just having an equipment failure and not having the proper, you know, survival gear with you or, you know, getting wet and getting cold. That happens really fast. And there's a lot, there's a lot of places where you know, if you don't have um, emergency uh, communication devices, then you're just, you're on your own. Now, you've we've talked a lot about these sort of like excursions you take and these expeditions and how your lifestyle forces mm -hmm. you to do this. Um, as far as like living day to day with three girls in the house, are you, do you live in a town or a city? Do you, do you live, like you said you don't homeschool them, so they go to, so they're going to school. They go to public school. How how long is that trip in the morning? So last year it was easier because the bus stop was right in front of our house. And um, my boyfriend's girls uh, went to our local neighborhood school here. Um, this year is more complicated. Um, my ex lives about 40 minutes south of where I do. And... Then uh, my boyfriend's ex recently moved even further away. Um, so the girls, we sort of have met in the middle on that. And it takes me just driving to the school. It takes 30 minutes, but they're at two different schools. So, and the drop off and pick up operations, it takes about 45, well, about an hour for drop off and an hour for pick up and then the just down there and then another 35, 40 minutes drive back. Um, so I live in a, I live in a small town. It's not, it, you know, you drive through it on the main highway and you have to slow down for a minute and then you're through it. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even really notice it um, if you didn't have to slow down. Uh, but I grew up, I, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs of Anchorage and, um, and my mom still has a house down there, but then she also has, has a, um, a place that we built with my dad growing up that's further north from where I live. Um, 
I've owned houses in a few different locations and I just feel most comfortable being further north and, and being a little bit further away from it all. So yeah, I would say in my day to day, I, um, I work remotely, so I'm able to just do it from home, but that was kind of also pandemic induced. Um, I switched jobs, I switched careers, still trying to search for what I do want my career to be. And if I, um, if I want to go back to that original one and figure that all out, but, um, I, I'm a civil engineer, but I switched into, um, data analytics, which is a substantially lower stress job for me. Um, so that I can try to focus on the kids more and give them the time that they need. And so like, I'm, I'm the one that drives them to school. And then last year, you know, they were in and out of school. It was kind of a, you know, kind of a crapshoot as to uh, what kid was home which day due to COVID and due to just, you know, all of life. Um, And my boyfriend is gone for most of the winter uh, because he does his remote hauling. That's the time when he has to be gone for work. I don't know. I guess that's kind of the day today. And trying to get some flying and trying to get those flight lessons and work on my pilot's license. I've wanted to talk to you for such a long time. And, uh, you know, truly appreciate what you do. And you don't know me. I don't know you. But um, it it feels it, it, you have such an inviting presence that you feel like a friend. And so thank you for all you do. And I'm so I feel so fortunate to have gotten to talk to you today. Thank you. I feel fortunate to talk to you. Let's close with this question. Because you said, you go, you know, you don't know me. I don't know you. You've gotten a sense of me through the show and this presence. Let's just close with this. Let's say, because I have, I've been having a midlife crisis big time. Let's say I'm sitting here mm-hmm. later today and I'm going, after that call, I think I got to move to Alaska. I think I just got to say, screw everything mm-hmm. to Alaska. <laughs> Based on what you know of me, how long do you mm-hmm. think I last? How long do you think I last as an Alaskan before I slept back to New Jersey with my tail between my legs? Well, okay. So how much do you like air travel? Air travel? Like commercial air travel. Uh, yeah. Like I, flying on a plane to get I, to your gigs. I do a ton of it. I mean, I the the way all comedians handle the air travel is we all become obsessed with frequent flyer miles. So that gives us like a fun game uh-huh. to do it. So I'm okay with it. And I'm pretty good at it. Pretty efficient at it, I would say. Very efficient with, with air travel. I like it fine. Because it's going to add, you have to realize that it's going to add three hours or three plus hours to every single trip you do. Cause you have to fly, you have to get down to Seattle. Oh, and no, then see, fly I'm else. saying you're, you're acting as if I want Alaska to be my base of operations for the life I live. Like I'm going to oh. keep flying doing gigs. I'm oh, saying, okay. no, Okay. I quit everything. I go, I will just go find myself quit in everything. Alaska and find my new life there. I'm not looking to fly back to, uh, I'm not looking to fly back <laughs> <Okay>. to, <laughs> Nashville to do gigs if I say screw it all and go to Alaska. I'm saying I become one of these people that shows up and goes, and now this shall be my life and I shall figure it out on my feet. So if you move here right now, we're starting to drop our light. If you moved here in the springtime, the answer might be different. You'd you'd make it a little bit longer. But um, uh, knowing what I know of you, um, the dark comes and it comes quickly. And I didn't notice it as a kid growing up. But when I left for college and then came back, I realized just how dark it is and seasonal affective disorder is definitely real. Um, I think that depression and that cabin fever tends to set in real quick for people that have not not been in it before. So um, I think you'd have, I think you'd have a couple, a couple good months. Uh, Or if you, if you kept this phone number, maybe I could show you some of the outdoor stuff in Alaska in the winter. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And, and our kids can go play and then uh-huh. it would stay longer. I'd say if I made it three weeks, I'd be shocked and proud of myself. Also, when you, <laughs> what was the quote you just said? Uh, the darkness comes and it comes fast. Something like that. That's both an apt description. That's an apt description of both um, <laughs> Alaskan winters and my personality. So maybe not the best. <laughs> When the darkness comes, it comes best. Maybe not the best combo there. Not the best combo. Yeah. What a pleasure to talk to you. What a joy. Thanks for uh, thanks for filling me in on a life so different from my own.
Absolutely. And if you ever make it up here for a show, I know I'll be buying a ticket. So oh, someday, um, someday. Hope to see you up here one day. Caller, once again, thank you for filling me in on your life. Vastly different than mine. Thanks for being so generous by saying I'd last a couple months. We both knew that wasn't true when you said it. So thank you. Show's produced by Anita Flores. It's engineered by Jared O'Connell and Marcus Hom. Our theme song is by Shell Shag. Go support Shell Shag. Everybody listen to them. Give them your streaming. Give them that fraction of a penny. Go to chrisgeth.com. If you want to know more about me, when my tour dates are. And hey, wherever you're listening, there's a button that says subscribe, favorite, or follow. It really helps us when you hit that button. So help us out. Please do so. Find our latest merch at podswag.com. We've got mugs and shirts and posters and more. You can find ad-free episodes of Beautiful Anonymous, as well as tons of other shows, like uh, WTF with Mark Barron. That's over there at Stitcher Premium. Use that promo code STORIES. You get a month free. Stitcher.com slash premium.